0: This is a sermon given at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Visit our website at SaintDave.org. So yesterday, uh, I wished someone a happy Christmas, and I got a strange look from that person. And on the very same day, a friend on Facebook had commented that she was taking down all her Christmas decorations and packing them up. Shame, shame, shame. (laughs) Many commented in reply that they were doing the same. I was the only one who commented that I, self-righteously of course, would be leaving my decorations up until January 7th, the day after Epiphany. (laughs) Now I know that I perhaps, and maybe some of you all know that you're in the minority. And that the growing masses set up their trees closer and closer, quite honestly, to Halloween now, and uh, or even um, and then take their decorations literally the day after Thanks uh, after Christmas on Boxing Day. But contrary to popular belief, and from what you've heard from family and friends, uh, the Christmas tide season actually begins on December 25th and continues through January 6th, the Epiphany. Have we all forgotten that Christmas song, that song that goes on and on, the 12 days of Christmas? (laughs) Why is it that no sooner than our gifts are open that we decide Christmas is over? So I'm thankful I am part of a tradition where we get to celebrate 12 days and hear you all doing the same, continuing to sing those Christmas hymns that bring us so, so, so much joy. Christmas is the season of the church. It's almost two weeks' worth. Makes you think, what else have we gotten wrong? One of the things I loved about my own childhood is that my family celebrated Three Kings Day, one of the benefits of being Hispanic. And on January 6th, all my brothers and sisters would receive one simple gift at our bedside when we woke up that morning on January 6th. In essence, celebrating Christmas and the gifts that were brought to Christ child by the Magi. And here's another interesting bit of trivia for you. Did you know that today, the first Sunday of Christmas, most mainline Protestant churches and even the Catholic church are reading a gospel from Luke, while we read the version from John's gospel, the first chapter? The only denomination that reads from the Gospel of John on this particular Sunday is the Episcopal Church, as far as I know. I love the reading from the Gospel of John. It reads so beautifully, so gloriously, so appropriate for Christmas. It stirs those wonderful feelings of the Incarnation, the mystery of God made flesh, of light and darkness, of the creation story. It echoes the creation story. And it's truly magnificent. Now, I don't mean to bring you all down, but I like the version we get in Luke and in Matthew. The messiness, the realness of the Christmas story that we fail to mention because we don't want folks messing with our good, happy Christmas feelings. There are things we fail to mention when we put on the Christmas pageant on Christmas Eve and tell the story of the virgin birth. First, anyone who has been pregnant and given birth knows how messy that can be. Anyone who has gone through an adoption process knows how messy that can be. Childbearing, child rearing, and whatever its form can be hard and messy. I got to have my own daughter, Victoria, in a comfortable bed, in a birthing suite, in the presence of doctors and nurses with an epidural, and all the comforts that a modern hospital in the first world country can provide. I drove to the hospital in my fancy car with air conditioner, and I knew I was going to be bringing my daughter home to a comfortable bed in a few days if everything went well, and still, it was messy and uncomfortable. And then we have Mary and contrary to what is displayed in our nativity scenes over there, um, Mary rode a smelly and slow donkey while leaving her home while nine months pregnant. How uncomfortable she must have felt. She was just 14 or 15 years old, a child by our standards. How scared she must have been. She then gave birth in a dirty, smelly barn. Not a modern, smelly barn, but one from 2,000 years ago. Flies and smells and messiness. She had no doctors and nurses or drugs to ease her pain. And Jesus was laid to rest in a pig's feeding trough. Unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given. This is real stuff. Given to us in this messy and cruel world. And the story doesn't end there. Matthew's gospel tells of more messiness. The messiness of a jealous and hateful king that searches out this child to have him killed and in doing so, kills innocent children. Mothers mourn and the Holy Family is sent literally running for their lives. The truth is that sometimes life is beautiful and wonderful and full of grace and beauty and goodness, not unlike the version we hear in today's Gospel from John. And God is a part of that grace and beauty and goodness, giving and blessing and celebrating with us. And sometimes... Like the other Gospels, life is hard and gritty, disappointing and filled with heartache, fear and disappointment. And guess what? God is a part of that as well. That's what the incarnation is all about. God is comforting us, holding us, loving us, blessing us and reminding us that he will be with us through the good and the bad drawing us ever deeper into his loving embrace and promising that nothing, that not even death will separate us from God. So what's the good news in all of this? Well, here it is. First and foremost, despite this very cruel world, despite despite our own sin and selfishness, God still loves us. God still chose to be with us. To be one of us. He comes to us in the most vulnerable and dependable state as a baby. Totally dependent on his parents, Mary and Joseph, who will protect him from all the evil that searches out to destroy him. And with angels watching over them, God shows God's love to us. There's a quote that I found by an individual called Oswald Chambers... And it said that the most staggering proposition the Bible gives us is this. God becomes the weakest thing that we know. That is love, my friends. And the second piece of good news is this. We are never alone. In this cruel and unforgiving world, while being attacked and sought by those who wish to do us harm, God is always with us sending us signs, giving us comfort, and protecting us. We cannot pretend there is no darkness in the world. Sometimes, that's all there is. What is happening in other parts of the world, like what's happening in, uh, in the Middle East, is a painful reminder that what happened 2,000 years ago is still happening today. These dark moments make the story of the incarnation even more poignant and meaningful because it is a story of the incarnation, of the true light that breaks through this darkness, the hate and the messiness. And amid this messiness is where our God chooses to come to us in the most fragile form possible, in the most definitive act Of selfless and life giving and saving love. And we learn from both the Gospel of John and the other Gospels that the light always overcomes the darkness and that love always wins. Love always wins. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Amen.